1: This is Locked On Ravens, brought to you by Russell Street Report, and part of the Locked On Network. Here are today's hosts, Josh, Josh Sroka, Sroka and, and Ken McCusick.
2: Locked On Ravens, brought to you by Russell Street Report. This is our Week 17 recap. Uh, Ken, we don't get to talk about this very much, a meaningless Ravens game.
0: Absolutely meaningless and they played as if it didn't count for anything either
2: and and that's what was so frustrating as a fan base if you're on social media during the game there was a lot of anger and arguing because the stars were out there flacco was out there Suggs was out there the big names were all out there uh harbaugh all week has been saying it's a matter of pride we're going to try hard to win this game they sure didn't seem like they were trying
0: yeah, he he kind of talked his way through the end of 2015 like this. But Ravens fans, we should feel lucky. We should feel the the uh, contrast between what happened at the end of this year and also what happened, unfortunately, for the for the end of last year versus what happens in a typical Ravens season that there's some sort of playoff contention involved down to the final weekend. And that wasn't the case this year. They played an absolutely meaningless game in a place they didn't want to be very clearly. And uh, you no. Know, it didn't count, and they acted like it didn't count, and they lost.
2: Yeah, the, we're we're definitely spoiled as uh, Raven fans. We the Cleveland Browns have not been in this situation in a long time. That's right. I mean, they—if you go what week six, they were eliminated, something like that, <laughs> pretty early on, and and then have to play ten meaningless games. We had one. Yeah. So yeah, all that's right. True. Going into this, I was hoping that there'd be a lot that we could talk about when looking towards next year. Uh, Of course, there wasn't a whole lot, but uh, you mentioned there's a few guys that we can take some notes from.
0: Well, I I think looking at almost anything the defense did in this game, and that's what we're here to talk about today. We'll talk about the offensive line, and I think there's more to talk about there. But in terms of the defense, I don't think there's much to talk about at all in this game. I don't take much from the way the pass rush, again, didn't come up. I, didn't, I don't take much from the, the big plays right. they gave up even in the run uh-huh. game as well. But I do look at a couple of the individual performances, and there was some change for how these players will be viewed in 2017. And the, and the three guys we want to talk about are Patrick I, uh Albert McClellan, and Chris Lewis-Harris. So Patrick Anasso got his first, that's number 48, got his first NFL start in this game at inside linebacker. So he's playing next to Mosley, and he's playing in place of Orr, who went on IR before the game. So okay. he came out on the very first drive, and the Ravens were forced into the nickel by the fact that the Bengals were consistently playing three receivers on every snap. And the Bengals don't do that by accident, by the way. The Bengals play large, and they know they're bigger on the inside, so they want you to sacrifice heavies by having three uh uh corners and two safeties on the field and only only six six large guys right because well, anyway the Ravens yeah. don't
2: don't play nickel that often so well, they, they
0: they play nickel on passing downs but they would they you know all teams are better stopping the run with seven in the box than they are with six right and when one of your six is not or but it's Anwaso, who's an undersized 217 pounds you really realize, you know, be like, it's a lot like having Levine in there. You, you just wouldn't have him in there on running downs. And Anwiso is a slightly larger version of him, but he's definitely a lot smaller than Orr. So, uh, uh, you know, not the ideal guy. And they played one series like that. And then Pease decided, well, we can't do this because Anwiso is too small to play in that situation. And so he inserted Albert McClellan at inside linebacker on the second drive. Now you can you can take a lot from that or not if you want. so continued to play as the nickel inside linebacker. So they brought him in on third down, but by not being able to use him on the first two downs, I think that basically eliminates any value that so might have for 2017.
2: All so, right, so he he, can't, yeah. he kind of showed he he need he needs to be replaced.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. He's on the bar, on the. A rookie, undrafted, on the on the verge of being a player that I that I would have had some developmental hopes for, but he's but he's really not that anymore. He's a he's strictly somebody who'll be in and out. I think.
2: Okay. All right. Well, that's too bad. Uh, how about Albert McClellan?
0: Uh, Albert McClellan um, is the Joe Orsillac of the Baltimore Ravens, and and you know you you probably grew up with Joe Orsillac as a player who would always come to camp without a without a position, and then always find one or two that he could fill in at. Well, Albert McClellan did it again in this game, and you you just got to love the versatility he brings to the table. So he started the game uh, not as a starter. He came in, he replaced Anwasso in the second drive to be the inside linebacker, and he was later then called into duty at outside linebacker when the Ravens went to a standard defensive, a four defensive back set in the second half. So the Bengals were trying to run out the clock, and the Ravens needed McClellan to to be the edge setter, In that situation so they moved him there and 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 he played there for a while they they stopped the run better in the second half Um, and then as the game was winding down Mosley of course got hurt and had some sort of calf injury we hope it's not serious and Albert moved back to the inside linebacker and in fact took over the green dot helmet and was calling the defensive signals so he played three different positions in this game and and, um, his versatility is worth a lot to a team He's played as a down lineman before for the Ravens uh, early in 2012 when Suggs was hurt in their Super Bowl year. So um, he signed through 2018. He was a player who I could have seen a reason why his 2017 roster spot was in jeopardy, but I don't believe that's the case anymore. He played 58% of the defensive snaps for the season. So very versatile player, gives you a lot. And in this particular game, this was his versatility at its best.
2: Yeah, when when you're talking about bench spots, or uh, versatility is a huge thing. It's why for the Orioles, Ryan Flaherty's on that team every year because he That's can right. fill a hole no matter where the hole is.
0: Play all those positions, pinch hit a little bit, a left-handed bat off the bench. Right. You know a lot of those things. And, and McClellan, we're not even we didn't even mention all the special teams contributions he makes. Jerry Rossberg, every time he goes to the mic, seems to be effusive with. Uh, his praise for McClellan in terms of just, you know, he, he'll, he'll talk about how he covers kicks, how he realigns other players in the coverage of kicks. Just very impressive.
2: player. Uh, again, that's what coaches love is versatility. Right. So, all right, uh, let's go on to Chris Lewis-Harris.
0: All right. Well, Chris Lewis-Harris has been with the team for a few weeks since the Ravens signed him after the Bengals released him. The Bengals were supposedly going to try and get him back on the practice squad. But he's a fourth-year player. He'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Finally got a little bit of playing time here. He'd played five snaps previously, but he hadn't really played much. And the 10 meaningful snaps he was in mostly were at the end of the first half when after Wright left the game with some injury that I never really heard explained. He slipped, so it may have been an ankle problem or whatever. But anyway, I'd never really heard what it was. And during that time, the Ravens surrendered pass plays of 19, 12, 31, and 13 yards. I'm not claiming those were all Chris Lewis-Harris. But when he's on the field, the safety has to give attention there. You know, coverage has to has to um, uh, rotate slightly. And, and he has an impact in giving up those plays. So, uh, unfortunate, I don't think Chris will be back. Uh, he's not the answer, I don't think, at outside corner for the Ravens. And he's also an unrestricted free agent. So, he's going to earn closer to a market salary than somebody like Sheldon Price or Maurice Kennedy who would be cheaper and potentially provide that outside corner the Ravens need
2: and he he came from the Bengals if there's one game you can put him in where he should know what's going on
0: you know that's a very good it'd be this game he certainly has played a lot of practice time against these same offensive players
2: right right Um, right, let's take a break here and let's come back with your defensive uh, I guess your categories how you break out the roster and kind of look ahead
1: list. All right, Ken, we didn't take
2: really anything. I'm just going to say we learned nothing for 2017 from, from week 17. However, for the year as a whole, we have learned stuff. And we talked early, very early in the season about how you break out the roster between rookies, developmental core veterans. Can you lay that out?
0: Sure, absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit. So you really have five categories of player the way I look at it. I was looking for very broad categorizations. So your most important players on your team, by far, in the salary cap era, are your key contributors who are still on their rookie deals. It's the only way you get play that's way above what you're paying for. And uh, the five players on the Ravens' defense, and that's not a bad total, the five players on the Ravens' defense who currently are giving that are Tim Jernigan, who's just finished his third year, he'll be going into his fourth year, C.J. Mosley, also just finished his third year. Zach Orr just finished his second year. Uh, Michael Pierce actually Zach Orr just finished his third year, didn't he? Didn't he? Uh, Michael Pierce just finished his rookie year, and Tavon Young just finished his rookie year. That's
2: a Those pretty nice fun. lineup.
0: It is. It's a very nice lineup of defensive playmakers, and they represent most of the defensive playmaking. The only two other guys that are significant in terms of their contributions currently are Weddle and Jimmy Smith. They are the two other really significant playmaking contributors. Um, you know, Brandon Williams was in this group, but he's now departed. He's, a, he's an unrestricted free agent, and so we, we can't depend on him, obviously, in 2017. Um, but if it's an interesting group, Tavon Young, I don't think we've found the maximum value of that, that kid yet because I think he really should be playing the old web role where he can play the slot corner on third down and provide some pass rush and just be a shutdown slot guy which the Ravens really need and by having Tavon Young in the slot they're going to get rid of a lot of the issues they have or they're going to reduce mitigate some of the issues they have with coverage linebackers who um you know don't have any support in the middle of the field because Tavon will give them that
2: right right um I guess uh out of those other guys I mean all, all those guys it's like there's no question all those guys come back they've all been making big impacts are there any of these guys that we need to be concerned about
0: um i am concerned about certain things i'm concerned about can michael pierce really continue to contribute as a pass rusher a little bit i'm concerned about zach Orr's ability to cover but by and large i mean the fate of the ravens lies in the hands of those five guys some draft picks and a couple other guys who are well-paid veterans but you know you you really need Young players to step up, and the next group, the developmental guys, are really another very important set. And they're hope hope some players that you hope to get key contributors on rookie deals from.
2: All right, so that uh, you want to go through the you would you have like eight ten guys in there?
0: Okay, well the guys on on the Ravens defense who I currently have on this list, um, all obviously are within their first were have done no more than complete their third season. So they still have at least one year on their rookie deal. And they are Kamalai Correa, who's one year so far, didn't get much playing time this year. Carl Davis, who was uh, on IR from the beginning of this year, but played a fair number of snaps last year. Willie Henry, who eventually went on IR, just could not crack a lineup where no one got hurt on the defensive line. Matt Judon, who obviously had four and a half sacks this year and, and was an effective pass rusher, but hasn't quite made that next level yet. Bronson Caffucci, who who is the Ravens' third round draft pick, um, missed his entire year due to IR. Really a shame, but the kid appears to have a lot of talent was very impressive in camp. Sheldon Price, a first year corner, who has already been with a couple different teams but hasn't accumulated a year of, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, credit towards uh, seniority, um, credit of experience uh, until this year. Um, the a guy, a guy who's a disappointment is Zadarius Smith. Um, now, I would have tried to put him in the higher category at the beginning of this year because he had five and a half sacks or some such last year. It's about that. Right. Um, but this year, he just had a terrible year. He disappeared. The Ravens only had him active for 44 defensive snaps the last six weeks. So that's uh, only about seven snaps per week. And he had three healthy scratches during that time
2: so that that's a loss of trust
0: that is a loss of trust it's uh, i would say it's by a dog housing but you probably mean the same thing um anyway it's he's he's behind matt judan um we'll see if the absence of elvis dumerville next year or um you know the failure of others to emerge may, may give him another chance but uh I think there's a we we may be at a real crossroads for Zayarius Smith come next training camp. He better come into camp really ready to play, in the great shape he typically is in, but uh, but really ready to play.
2: Yeah, you you bring up the term doghouse, then. That's a real John Harbaugh term that I don't know if any of us really truly understand what gets someone in and out of the doghouse.
0: Yeah, well, it's a it's a very extensive doghouse. It's really a kennel because there's so many spots available in it. And if you're Danell Ellerby in the past, before he you know played well in the Super Bowl a year and some of the other times, he was in it for about a year and a half and he couldn't get out.
2: Well, and it seems like off out of uh off the field stuff can get you quickly into the doghouse. So it's it's uh <laughs> doghouse is funny. I never hear that term from any other team, but I hear it with John Harbaugh all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, well, I mean, there's just certain patterns, but anyway, we won't get into that. too No, much.
2: no. You mentioned Sheldon Price. Yeah. Um, he had a, he had a better season than you expected.
0: Uh, he he hardly played in the regular season. I'm, I'm trying to think if he okay. had even one one snap, but uh, and I could bring that up. But uh, uh, he played in the preseason. He was in camp. He was consistently ahead of Maurice Kennedy on the depth chart and where he would rotate in during the preseason games. So I think he's ahead of other players and he and Kennedy are the two guys that'll be coming back for their second year who really are in the best position to take over an outside corner role and the kind of role they would have by the way Price and Kennedy are both the same kind of thing they're, they're big tall drinks of water both long cornerbacks um, who are good playing a boundary and I think they're the kind of guys you want to have in on third down when you move Tavon to the slot so Tavon will still be a, an every down player and one of these guys would come in we hope and be able to take over a, a role on third down for the team.
2: Are those guys uh, seem good enough that we don't need to draft that position?
0: No. No, I would not say that. Okay. I think all right. They, they, I, I would you know, – first of all, corners get injured. I mean it's just a fact of life. We've had it with Jimmy Smith. We've right. had it with others. The Ravens need more depth at corner, and they and the depth has to start at the top end, not at the bottom end. So you don't add – it's like you know you don't add three more number five starters for your baseball team. That's not what you need. You need you know you need a number two or number one starter, but you don't need another.
2: Sure, sure. Three sure. five All right. Um, let's move on to the core veterans: Albert McKellen, Jimmy Smith, Eric Weddle.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've you've named them there, and um, those three guys are all we've got left, really, in terms of core veterans. So uh, two other guys uh, could play at a level to be on this, and I just want to be clear about this. Um, Terrell Suggs and Lordarius Webb are both capable of playing at the level of their 2017 earnings. But it's not a sure thing in either case. And so I've placed them in the next category, which is veteran cap value concerns. But let's talk about these three guys and a couple guys who are leaving before we move on in terms of the core veteran group. Okay. Albert, Albert McClellan is not making the contribution despite all the versatility we talked about in his special teams play. He's not making the contribution, obviously, that Jimmy Smith or Eric Weddle is, but he's he's performing reasonably well relative to his cap charge. So he gets he gets in this group. Jimmy Smith, enormous cap charge, but the defense can't seem to live without him. can it? Can't seem to play at all without him. Um, he's been okay. I, I think he really his value of the defense seems to somehow be higher than than what his own level of play is. It's like the sum of the parts gets to be greater when Jimmy Smith is in there.
2: Right, right, uh, and then Eric Weddle, who has been one of the defensive stars of this poor defensive year.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's been a certainly been a poor defensive finish here. But Eric Weddle was the was the team's defensive MVP for the year, I would say. And uh, yeah, I would. He's earned his money. I was a little concerned about what we were getting in terms of the player. And Eric Weddle on air on a radio is very different. From his apparent on-field persona, he's kind of a very loose, giggly guy. Maybe you get that from the beard, and and you know that, that there's just this kind of weird persona he wants to give. Maybe kind of a little bit like Steve Smith, that he's a clown is maybe not exactly the right word, but he's got a little bit of that giggliness to him,
2: more relaxed.
0: Yeah, off the, off the field, and I heard him and Watson on the show, and Watson was this uh, very straight-up, obviously very sure of his own personal path in life I'll say um and Weddle seemed less so but Weddle in the field is he's a commander I mean he's a general on the field there's no there's no two ways about it so um you know he's a lot of players you just got to take this they're different on the field they are and really Suggs has some of that you know he's kind of he's a clown but the guy knows has so much football savvy and I think he's able to translate a lot of that to other players and and we saw some of him shifting the defensive line for example this year but anyway i don't I, I don't want to digress here but eric Weddle certainly was a player who completely played to his cap value in 2016 and i expect him to in 2017
2: again All Right, man i was just reminded of remember halfway through the season we were talking about this might be the best ravens defense ever that the early in the season we got excited these guys were looking good uh, little did we know it was not going to last
0: well, the, the best run defense is something the football outsiders um, right. advanced, and that was silly, but uh, uh, that did not work out. Let's put it that way.
2: No, no. Uh, let's take our,
1: our last break, and then we'll come back and talk about veterans. The list all right ken the next category uh as you break out
2: the roster is veteran cap value concerns
0: right before we move on to the veteran cap value concerns i just want to m- make a note of two important players who are leaving from the core veterans one is lawrence guy whose value has been completely under realized this year underappreciated this year i'll call i'll say the other is Anthony Levine. He's, both of them are free agents. The Ravens may re-sign one or both of them. I certainly hope they do. Levine is a major component of the special teams, and if they lost him, I'd be a little bit concerned about how they pull the unit together. But more importantly, I thought Levine was the guy who could have played dime for this team, just was never really given the opportunity. He played some when Mosley was hurt, but never in the base package when Mosley and Orr were both healthy. So uh, uh, two guys that I will be... Very sorry if the Ravens lose both of them. But now you mentioned the veteran cap value concerns, and let's really talk through these. And you'll see a lot of these players have some things in common. Kyle Arrington is still a Baltimore Raven, as much as we have tried to forget that fact. Um, Elvis Dumerville, of course, is still here. Kendrick Lewis is still a Baltimore Raven, but not for long. And he will still be here. There's significant cap value. All those three guys, I believe, have played their last downs as Ravens. Elvis did a fine job in his, in his time with the Ravens. a contract well spent, but the cap savings in his last year are too much to overlook. And I would worry, coming off the Achilles injuries apparently had, that he's able to provide the kind of value he has in the past. And uh, there's no way Lewis or Arrington is back. They're both done here. Um, The last three guys are each more interesting cases for different reasons. Terrell Suggs um, had a year that in a lot of ways held the defense together for portions of it, um, but kind of disappeared down the stretch, particularly as a pass rusher.
2: Right, right. They need to do something. If he stays, they need to at least figure out how to keep him strong the entire year.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very good point because they really need to reduce his snaps and Terrell is a guy who's always played just about every snap. And in fact, as the years gone on, his snaps really haven't been reduced that much. They've they've still stayed in the high 60s or 70 percent. I'd have to give you a cap a percentage of snaps number for the year, but it's somewhere in the 70 percent range for for Suggs.
2: But but because of the years of of great service he's had, I can't see them getting rid of him yet. I think one more year, they'll hold out yeah. on him.
0: There's a, I, they will hold that on for one more year, and, and a lot of that is a technical reason: is that there's only a 1 million of cap savings from cutting him in 2017 or before the 2017 season. So it, you really don't gain a lot. And Suggs is he needs to be that transition pass rusher we have until the new guys come into place. And when you really look at the at the at the Ravens' pass rush of the future, I think it's it, there's four components to it. They need to find an elite edge rusher in this draft. And I think they will do that. I think it's a it's a stocked draft for edge rushers as I hear it. If the Ravens get the fourth or fifth best edge rusher at number 16, then that's probably going to be someone who can add substantially to this team. It'll be a significant factor. But then from the remaining four players that we don't know yet, and those are Kamalai Correa, um, Matt Judon, Bronson Kafusi, and Zadaria Smith, The Ravens need to get three positions filled. One is they need to have a good situational pass rusher out of that group. One of them has to become at least a good situational pass rusher. One of them needs to become a quality two-down run defender. And I don't know who it is out of that group. I honestly don't. It could be Correa. It could be Judan. I don't think it's Sidarius Smith, but um, I really don't know who the guy is. And the third guy, the third position we need filled is the old McPhee role, which is somebody who can rush from the inside on a four-man front. So you have your outside rushers, like Suggs and Dumerville are now, but when you had McPhee rushing from the inside next to Jernigan, that was a formidable group. And so they need to find that guy. They're hard to find, but I'm still hoping that maybe Bronson Caffucci, um or maybe Zadarius in a, in a second incarnation of his career here, can be that guy on the inside.
2: All right, that's interesting. Um Let's go back to our our veteran cap concerns with Ladarius Webb.
0: So so Ladarius Webb played very well in the second half this year. And um, he's been one of my favorite players for years. He's just got an enormous cap charge coming up this year. I think it might be $7.5 million. Wow. Uh, So it's going to be a difficult nut for the Ravens to swallow. They could try and renegotiate with him. Usually that would mean an extension. I think Webb has played well enough that he'll be a starter somewhere in the league this next year. So I don't know if it'll work out. Um, they will. I'm sure they'll try and talk to him and see if they can get him to play for a little bit less. But um, my guess is that the Ravens are going to be forced into making a decision at the current level, and it's just going to be a very tough decision. And and he may be one of the last cuts. He may be a post-June 1 cut that allows him to spread um, some dead money over two years. But uh, whatever the case is, it's it'll be a very difficult choice for them to let Lardarius Webb go because he played pretty well in the second half.
2: Sure, sure. And and, and right, he's been a favorite for for many years. Um, I guess would part of that be to uh, you would then move Tavon Young into that position?
0: Not into safety. No, you know, you, you you'd need you'd get another you'd draft a young safety. That's okay. one of the problems the Ravens have is that they're so old at safety with Webb and and Weddle. um. And, and Weddle, both being over 30 years old, and having nobody—I mean, they had Matt Elam, who was at least a little younger, although no, no one really expected him to move up. Now they have—they really don't have anyone that, that will be a starting safety. I mean, I don't really see Anthony Levine being a starting safety, and he's not young anymore. Uh, so they're going to have to draft a safety, okay. and they're going to have to give some significant priority to that. Which at, at, this, at safety, it either means they really need to get a top guy in the first or second round, or they need to need to get a a guy who's a pretty good chance to be a good safety in the third, fourth, or fifth round, probably the fourth or fifth round, I'd say. They did that with um, Landry. It was a fifth-round draft pick, and that really worked out for them. With Will Demps, they got an undrafted guy, and they got very lucky. You can get a safety cheap, is my point out of that, but you know you, they really have to figure out who the right safety is and develop him, and I hope Leslie Frazier is a big part of making that judgment, because I trust his judgment on
2: it. All right, so that— that's something to watch for, uh, eventually, when we get to draft day, and how that handled might speak volumes to the plan for Ladarius Webb.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. So, because Webb will probably be a post June one release, which means it'll be after the draft, and then we'll know more. And I think that, I think, if I had to guess how that would play out, I think your your version of that is probably correct.
2: Okay, all right. So, um, there there's not many people that you have concerns about.
0: Well, the transitional role players are just a group of players who they're just hanging on on the fringe of the NFL. Nobody expects these guys to be good players. Um, Brennan Beyer uh, is in that group. Uh, Kennedy I have in that group right now because he hasn't played an NFL game yet. Uh, but he does have a – he certainly has a possibility of moving up. Uh, Marcus Huff came in and played a little bit of safety for the Ravens and played some special teams. Lamar Lewis was a linebacker they picked up late in the year. Cavellus Luckett is on IR. Patrick is, is you know played a game versus the Bengals here. And Jamal Roll has been on the on IR the entire year. He's at corner. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance that somebody comes off this list and moves up to be a developmental guy. It might be Kennedy. It might be Roll. Those would probably be my two highest possibilities. If you want to pick a third guy, maybe Hoff is it, uh, a guy who could emerge and be a safety candidate for this okay. team. So, all
2: right. So those those are names to watch, uh, especially I guess when we have those uh, those practices coming up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the OTAs, and and we'll see again in camp next year after the draft what the competition and the new landscape looks like. But there's no way – none of those guys stop you from drafting anybody. Let's just put it that way.
2: All right. Um, So now we've got finally your UFAs.
0: So there's five UFAs from the defense. Matt Elam, Lawrence Guy, Chris Lewis-Harris, Gerard Powers, Brandon Williams. Gerard Powers um, had a very up-and-down year. He did play well at times. I I could see him back in a Ravens uniform, but I don't think it's likely. Um, I I think that uh, some other team may want him more. The Ravens may want him less. It could be either of those. So I I honestly don't think he'll be back. Um, Brandon Williams is the big number. So we got to decide, are we going to expend a large portion of the salary cap in him? I think you probably are talking about a guy who's going to earn between – seven and nine and a half million per year. And I don't know the exact amount because he's not a pass rusher, so he wouldn't, you know, qualify for a lot of value there. But on the other hand, he's he's one of the best nose tackles from a run stopping perspective. Um the Ravens do have a cheap alternative, but they don't have that doesn't mean they have the same two guys really stopping the run they did that they did this year with Williams and Pierce together.
2: All right. So that's an off season move to to watch. Uh, out of these uh, free agents to see how Brandon Williams is handled,
0: right. And we talked we didn't talk about Matt Elam at all. I don't really see any chance that he's back. I mean, a lot of people would just do a spit take if they if they were drinking something and they heard me saying that Matt Elam might be back. I wouldn't rule it out. I just i I, I would not rule it out. He has experience with the Ravens system. He's going to be cheap. No one is going to want to pay him any significant amount of money. He He probably needs to try and get a one year deal at the vet minimum at this point. Or if not that, you know, a two year deal for two point five million total or something. Something that's not huge money, um, to try and stay in the NFL. And the Ravens are a team that where he might get a legitimate chance in, in if there's an injury in particular.
2: It's always it's always nice when you say two million dollars is not that much money. <laughs> it's it's a different world as far as budgets go. Yeah. So uh, all right Ken. Well, that's a lot uh for us to look at this off season. Thanks to the Ravens poor play, this is our final episode. We're not going to break down the playoff games because just like the Ravens we will be done, we will on Wednesday uh break down the offense and have this similar discussion on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a little bit of offensive line to discuss. But yeah, that'll be our last show for the 2016 season.
2: Right. I'm sure we're going to I'm sure we'll talk uh, around the draft before and after and probably around some of the OTAs and then be back in full force uh, with training camp. Can't wait. So, um, But Ken, for now, where can people head on over to Russell Street Report and read?
0: Okay, read my column on Russell yes. Street Report, like like Josh says, but uh, it's, it's under film study there. Uh, there's lots of charts and graphs you can look, but the primary thing is you get quarter and time references to follow along in Game Pass with uh, observations that are being made and uh, if you have Game Pass in particular, it's a lot more value. If you have the DVR, you can use it too. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Film Study Ravens, and love to have you part of the discussion. It just seems like ask one question sometime on Twitter, and see how quickly that mushrooms into a cloud of questions. You'd be very impressed with the way it goes, and I think that that it's a, it's a great conversation always. And there's a lot of other football people that are following my handle that'll see that and. You know, try and answer your question and pick up on other questions as well. And I, I, I enjoy the process. and I enjoy the medium a lot.
2: Yeah, Twitter has became an amazing place for the uh, sports fan,
0: hasn't it? Though it, now you, you're you're active on Twitter, and what's your what's your handle there?
2: Mine is mine's my name, Josh Soroka. Uh, but it is whether it's a football game going on, a baseball go, game going on, or just random discussions, because it's just like discussions you would have at a bar with your friends, except it's with random people so it's a lot of fun and then you'll find people who are a lot smarter than you Um, and then people who are asking the same questions as you as well so it's a lot of fun
0: it is it is a lot of fun you know what i found is i found a few people who their interests are like a little bit different from mine but they have some interest and they've drawn me into it i mean there's this astrophysicist from denmark who's a ravens fan who follows me there And he knows all of these things about every space mission that's currently going on and sent me a chart of those. And I mean, just really cool people you can meet on Twitter and interact
2: with. You need to find a way to to translate, have that guy translate it into into some stuff for the the Ravens, some (laughs) space charts.
1: Um, All right, Ken, well, we will talk on Wednesday. the list.